0: okay so comment down below guys who can see me who is feeling good welcome guys to the inaugural scholarly podcast okay this is the very first podcast that we've done um we have a lot of people here finally I got the technology to work because steven is a technology wizard right everybody write down in the comment section steve is technology wizard I, I was able to figure it out like we're gonna cancel it i was so close to canceling i was like Bro, I can't figure this out, but we figured it out. Now I'm here. Comment down below who's excited, who is ready to go. Comment down below, guys. I want to see some more comments. What's going on? You guys can do better than that. Where are all the comments? Where are all the big dogs? What's going on? How is everyone going? Okay, so we have a very special guest today. I don't want to make today all about me. We have a very, very, very special guest today uh, called Cullen that I'm going to bring on in just a second. Um, Colin, actually, Colin, you want to mute yourself so that I can, you know. Sure. OK, let me look at this. Mm. Yeah, maybe Stephen's not actually technology with to <laughs> I'm going to make Colin the host. And then, yeah, he's, he, he's going to be there. Okay. All right. So as I was saying, Cullen is an actual certified big dog. He's got a 99.95. And not only did he get 99.95, he got 99.95 at only age 16. This guy is like literally the smartest guy that I know. And not only that, he can actually speak, right? He actually can articulate himself really, really well. I know a whole bunch of 99.95s who can also articulate themselves very well. But Cullen's just on another level. You know what I mean, guys? So Cullen's done really, really well. Um, Today, Colin is really just going to share some of his knowledge, right? Share his knowledge, share his information, share some of the stuff that he has, um, you know, accumulated over his, you know, 20 years of, you know, uh, well, actually more than 20 years, more than 20 years of experience, just learning, going through the HSC, uh, actually graduating from a private school, right? Um, And then also later on studying science and now on the pathway to medicine at Sydney University. So he's got so much to offer. Um, I want you guys to all give him a huge, huge, huge applause. Okay, everybody in the comments, why don't you guys to be all clapping, 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 clapping. This guy's like smartest guy in the world. Okay, people get 99.95 and then you got Colin who gets 99.95 at age 16, two years before everyone else. Right, so who do you wanna learn from? You wanna learn from Colin? right? Anyway, uh, Cullen, uh, let's, uh, let's just take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, who are you? What do you do? Um, and yeah, give us a little break. Well, up.
1: thank you, Steve, for that very extravagant introduction. Um, as you guys heard, my name's Colin. Uh, I think Steve covered most of the basics. I'm studying at the moment, um, on the way to becoming a medical student at Sydney uni. And, um, personally, I, I love teaching. I love learning. Some of you may know me, um, as the tutor from scholarly for some of your classes, um that's about it in my free time I like to watch movies read books you know the normal people stuff um play music as well but yeah that's about me cool awesome um and so Colin I think let's just
0: go back right all the way to you know your childhood let's just start from the beginning and we'll kind of work our way like you know forward right what was primary school like to you like, did you have the whole OC stuff? Did you have the whole selective stuff? Was that even a worry in your brain, like at that point in time? Because I know you probably had a very different experience growing up compared to a lot of the other 99.95s that I know, right? So what was your childhood like?
1: Well, I, I didn't go to a selective school. I, I didn't try out for the selective test or the OC test. I went to a two different primary schools. And I found it wasn't the, you know, experience that a lot of other students would have had in primary school. Um, I, I went to a performing arts school, actually, for primary school um, for two years. And that was a very interesting experience. I had lots of opportunities because I, I played piano and I did some acting as well. So, you know, those experiences were interesting. Um, of course, you know, there's there's many different ways to different pathways to get to where where I am and you know I don't really regret um, any particular thing I did but it's just a different you know different way of doing it of course as you said very different but yeah um my primary school was a lot more kind of laid back than many of the um very hard working um other students (laughs) that would be alongside me yes that's so
0: interesting because you know, typically, when you think of someone who's got your academic caliber, right, I think of kids who are like, I, 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 I know there's like two branches, right, you got the kids who are really pushed, right, like pushed, push, push, it's like every single day, study, 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 you know what, do some more study, you want to read, no, study more man, and I think um, what's really interesting is, you see that those kids end up, let's say scoring really great grades, like the 99.95s and even perhaps studying medicine or law. But, you know, I think because they haven't had that, uh, because they didn't have the childhood, because they didn't have the experience that you probably had doing like things that children should do, uh, they don't really have that much of a character later on. Like, okay, tell me how important, even though it wasn't academically related, how important do you think performing arts and going to a performing arts school and music was in shaping who you are now?
1: Well, I wouldn't be the same without it, really. I think it's very important. I mean, of course, you don't have to go to a performing arts school, hmm. but without having those other aspects in life, of course, it's important to study hard, important to go for those OC tests, selective tests to push yourself. But if you're only studying without having the other aspects of, you know, enjoying life, going outside, um, playing sports, I think. Seeing trees, run. you know what I mean. Seeing the trees and seeing actually the stars. seeing trees, of course, you know. Um, if you not if you're not seeing trees, then you're going to end up probably, you know, in the long run, probably not as engaging in society. I guess you know. So, in terms of kind of cracking the code, uh, cra- cracking the code of um, you know trying to become a very you know get great marks that kind of thing, I think. If if anything, actually doing those kind of things like sport, music, all those kind of things, reading, uh, they're they're all important in actually getting good marks because it's all about balance in life. Otherwise, you get burnt out, that kind of thing. So not only is it important having a character, I think even for getting great marks, it's, um, it's important to have balance, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I think it's just important to be a decent human being. And I think oftentimes because it's always like marks, 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 sometimes we forget that. You know what I mean? Like, I know plenty of parents tell me, Stephen, I want my child to get in this school. I want my child to get in this school. And I'm like, you know what? It's all good. Just chill. You can still get 99.95. It's all good. You know what I mean? You just got to play the game around. Um, Colin, my question to you, you now is, look, you obviously know a lot of really, really smart people, right? How important is your childhood in shaping who you are? And actually, I've got a second question. This is where I'm actually pretty curious. How much did you study when you were a kid? Because obviously, you didn't study as hard as these scholarly kids, right? We all know that for a fact, right? But how hard did you study and kind of what was your childhood like? Um, you know, like let's say from just in primary school, what was that actually like? What would Cullen do when he came back from school? And how did he, how did his parents foster that brain? You, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like what'd you eat?
1: Well, I think actually a big, a big difference with um, my childhood as well with people today is. We, you know, we weren't really um, as addicted to evo- devices and playing yeah. games and stuff as they were. My primary school, um, in primary school at that time, you know, not many people had, um, you know, were able to play computer games, that kind of thing, out of the friends I knew at least. It was more of a thing like maybe you play on your, your dad's phone or something every now and then. So I think I a lot of my free time wasn't spent playing video games in primary school. I'd say I was... I would read a lot. Um, I did like I had like a lot of interesting like books, like I don't know random books about science, where I just kind of like read interesting science things. Not nothing like super intelligent, just like you know fun things. Um, of course, watch the TV, watch cartoons, that kind of thing. But um, in terms of study, I I always did my homework. Um, like I, I would always stay on top of my homework. But on top of that, I didn't do like a massive amount more. Um, I I would say maybe if we had some kind of tests, I'd be doing a few extra little things, but to be honest, I'd kind of just stick to within the teacher's guidelines, that kind of thing wouldn't be pushing myself academically too much at that stage. It was only really in high school when I kind of started to switch around and kind of change things up a bit.
0: Cool. Now that's really interesting. I think Colin's mentioned a couple of really interesting points because when I was little, I stopped playing video games when I was in year two. Right. And I think... When you just cut that out, what a lot of kids don't realize is a lot of parents are like, Stephen. how do I get more time? How do, how, does, how, how do you study three, four hours a day? How do you like get more time back? And it's like, your child is probably on their iPad five hours a day. You just don't know about it. Comment down below, guys. Who's on Discord like six hours a day? Like you guys do know what I'm talking about, right? You guys are on Discord. You're on like, you know, I, I don't know what else you guys you use, Fortnite, right? You're playing your video games and it's such a waste of time. It's such a waste of time. Like, why would you go on those video games, right? Play them when you've got an intellective, when you're a doctor, and you've made your millions? Don't do that beforehand. Why would you do it beforehand? It's such a waste of time, right? And I think it's so hard, especially when you have friends who also play like those video games. It's very, very hard to like get out of it. You know what I mean? Um, But hey, you know what? It's your life. You do what you guys want to do. It's just me and Colin who are the big dogs here who are trying to give you guys some advice, but. At the end of the day, if you're like Discord is good, you don't want to change that. Hey, you know what? Go for gold. Um, The other thing that I I felt was really interesting that Colin mentioned, and actually I want to touch on this, is like, let's say if you did the scholar, like you teach scholarly, like, uh, what do you teach? What you teach? You teach scholarly U5, right? Yeah, U5. Would you be capable of doing our trial test when you're in U5? What do you reckon?
1: No, probably not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So... My question is, did you, like, because you mentioned the performing arts and you kind of said, hey, like you just stuck within the curriculum, like with uh, like academics. But what I've noticed in really high achievers is they've always been doing something and they've always been performing at a really high level in some like domain before they, let's say they went into academics. So was there any domain that you're really excelling at that you were really going beyond the curriculum and and pushing at?
1: Well, I think piano was probably definitely one of those things that I started when I was really young and it almost kind of became like that extracurricular, really like pushing. I was like always, you know, at a, at a high grade for my for my year, that kind of thing. Um, but that being said, I, I still was like really, really pushed academically in class. I just didn't really have an extra resource kind of guiding me along. Like my parents weren't really pushing for, you know, selective school, select school, that kind of thing. So even though I was like super, super engaged in class and always trying to like be the best or like still had that kind of energy. And um, I still, you know, the teacher would still give me little extension things, that kind of thing. Like I was still really interested in learning more. So I did try to excel, but I just didn't have the capacity to excel as much as, you know, the scholarly kids, for instance, would be with all the really hard resources that they have.
0: Very interesting. Um, Very interesting. So yeah. Now my other question is, Because I think we had a chat about this. I remember the time we went out, we had a chat about this and we kind of talked about burnout. And I know that you, like, obviously in primary school, you said you didn't push yourself, right? Whereas a lot of scholarly kids are really pushing, like, burning midnight oil. Did you notice, like, later on that that was actually an advantage to you, like, that you hadn't pushed so hard earlier and that you had more to burn later on? Or what, like, what was that experience like? Because, like, let's talk now from year seven all the way to 12. Like, what was that like to you?
1: Well, I don't think. What like what I did was advantageous. I do think the kids that are pushing themselves, you know, doing doing the tutoring, doing the extracurricular learning, that kind of thing. I think they're setting up themselves very well for high school. I don't think you know if they get into the habit of doing work study, I think it's going to make high school a lot easier to kind of excel to the top. I mm-hmm. think everyone's gonna if they want to if you want to get to the, you know the, if you want to get to the top with with your academics there's going to be some point where you really switch, have to switch on and just really steam ahead. For me, that was more so in year seven to 12, where I really had to kind of switch on the gas, pump forward and really study, 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 study. Um, So, so I feel like, you know, it was a big jump for me and that could have left me um, feeling burnt out in high school. So I think, you know, if you're in primary school and you are putting in a little bit extra work than the average kid, I think it's not something to be worried about at all. It's it's good. You don't want to push too hard. You still want to see the trees, as we are saying, right? You got to see um, the
0: trees, guys. You got to see the trees. You got to go outside. If you below. feel like
1: you're forgetting what a tree looks like, you got to you gotta just go outside right now. You got to go um, see the trees, okay?
0: Everybody comment down below. You got to go see the trees. Steve and Cullen. Cullen said, you guys got to go see the trees, okay? So I want everybody comment below if you've been seeing the trees. If you haven't seen the trees yet, that's not good,
1: okay? Anyway, keep it going. Yeah, so um, my high school experience was a pretty big jump. I think probably year seven, of course, like everyone starts studying a bit more in high school, but I feel like there were other kids around me who were always, like saying maths, I was like very strong at maths, but there were always kids who already knew all the content. And I always felt like, oh, I've got to study extra hard. So I feel like they did the work in primary school to already know the year seven stuff. And I think that really set them in a good stead. Whereas for me in high school, I had to, you know, put on a lot of, a lot of pressure. And I feel like it probably in hindsight, I think it probably would have been easier if I had have kind of jumped ahead in the primary school, maybe a little bit more. Um, Although I still do respect having the more balanced life. Um, Again, different ways of doing it. I can't, I can't say for certain which, which way is the best, but I, I, yeah, I don't think burning out is a problem if you're just doing a little bit extra in primary school. I think burning out is more so if you leave it too late, then you might burn out in high school when you really want to catch up and you might just do too much work and you just get burnt out and suddenly give up. And then some of my friends that I know um, pushed really, really hard for tutoring all the way from primary school and then all the way through. And then by year nine, trying really, really hard, kind of just at that point started to decline because if they were trying too hard to push, in high school, without the proper primary kind of, you know, knowledge backing them up, then that's, that's when you can get burnt out. So I just think, you know, it's, it's all about balance. I think that's kind of summing that up, that long tangent up in, in one word.
0: I think that's really interesting that Cullen's mentioned that because, um, you know, it's like the analogy of, you know, when you, it's always better not to leave things to the last minute, right? So I think what Colin was trying to say earlier is like, you know, burnout will really only happen when you leave things to the last minute and you cram in like a lot of things at the very, very end. What I see to be the problem with even OC selective preparation and the reason why kids need to study three, four hours a day for OC and selective is only because they leave it until year four. It's Like how dumb is that? Like why, like let's say you got the OC test in year four and then you start at the very beginning of year four. Like, of course, you're going to get burnt out if you only spent six months preparing for an exam. But let's say if you start at age four or you start at age three, or in Colin's case, you start at year seven and you're going for a year 12 exam, you got five years. You got a lot of time, right? But I think when you, when you leave it like very, very short amount of time to achieve something ridiculous, right? Then it becomes impossible. The other thing that I, I really want to, make clear to everyone here is that cullen is somebody who has really really high iq okay i've met a lot of people in my life jen my sister has really really high iq i'm pretty high iq as well but i'm probably not as high as cullen and jen and alex and some of the other 99.95s and i can tell when someone's got high iq right like you know most people that i meet have extremely low iq like i meet most people i'm like bro like your i i don't even want to talk about your iq you know what i mean um but my point is when you have someone who's really, really high IQ, it's like when you have someone who's really genetically gifted, they don't need to do that much work, right? And this is not me demeaning Cullen's success. This is like legit, like Cullen's just smart. Like he's just built different. Like if you had Cullen's brain and my brain, it'd be like, oh bro, like there's a difference, right? Um, and I think that's important to take into account because, you know, there'll be some kids, like Colin, I've got a question. Do you think if like, let's say we set up a situation where we had another kid who started studying just like you did in year seven, right? And we put them right next to you and we put them on, in the same environment, the same food, did the same training. What do you reckon? Do you reckon they're going to get 99.95? Like an ordinary kid?
1: Pro- okay, probably not the the very, very highest, but... Yeah.
0: They'll, they'll, they'll get above 99, right? They'll get above 98 maybe, but they're not going to get 99.95. The point that I'm trying to make is... I think a lot of you guys also need to set your targets like reasonably, right? Like um, what I mean by that is, you know, you need at a very young age kind of understand where you sit, okay? At a very young age, you need to understand kind of where you sit, like and what your potential is. Most people don't realize their potential and how far they can go. um, But a lot of people think that their potential is like up here, right? I had a kid come to me the other day who got like 20%. And he's like i want to get into harvard medical school and i'm like look like i i want to be supportive and i want to say hey look go for gold you're going to get into harvard medical school but then i'm thinking you know what like it's it's going to take a lot of exams to get into harvard medical school right you know what i mean like and you're gonna to have to sit exams and right now based on your attitude you're in year five you don't really want to study you want to get into harvard medical school i mean i really hope that you do change but i speak the truth i'm going to call a hat a hat and it seems like you don't have the work it takes to do that okay um i don't think anyone's dumb i just think that there are real like most people are just average right so most people will just average iq i'm just like average iq and then you got really really smart people right so i'm just saying like you just got to gauge how much you can accomplish in what time frame that's all i'm trying to say and if you gauge that well then you won't get burnt out, right it's only when you gauge it like when you say oh i want to get in james throughs and you've never studied before and you got like one month until the exam you're gonna get burnt out right everybody can get a six pack. Everybody can lose weight, but you can't lose hundred kilos in a day. Okay. Maybe with surgery, maybe you can do that, but like eventually everybody can be skinny. Everybody can be really fit. Maybe you're not a bodybuilder, but everybody can do that. Right. But you're not going to get there in a day. Does that make sense? All good. Okay. Let's continue, man. So let's talk about what it was like Because you didn't go to a selective school your parents didn't even care like they're like selective what like we don't need to do that OC what we don't need to do that so you you didn't even do the OC and selective right no okay so Colin didn't even do the OC and selective schools tests. you went to like an independent school I'm pretty sure like like relatively small right oh
1: because small compared to the other ones it was about you know about um 150 boys in the in the year or boys school.
0: Oh, wow, okay, okay, cool, cool,
1: cool. So it's pretty pretty big, but not as big as you know all the all the massive ones. Now,
0: I, I want you to tell me what is your experience being a big fish in a small pond? I know you don't like to be called that, but a big fish in a small pond. Like, tell me, what do you think about that that phrase and how did that apply to your life? Or if, if it did, if it didn't, just just tell me what was that like for you?
1: Well, I think. I, I wouldn't say that that's exactly how, how it goes. Of course, you know, um, outside of selective schools, it's, there's going to be a big difference in like that, the, the average of everyone, of course. So if you go to, for instance, my school, the average would be um, like considerably lower than um, other selective schools. But when you look at, you know, most of my friends, um, we we're all very on the same kind of level with each other um intellectually, that kind of thing. Um, it wasn't it wasn't anything like being a big oh, top.
0: The no, no, no. I'm no,
1: sorry. but <laughs> there's a lot more that goes into it than that. No, but you find a lot of people are really, really, you know, are really, really smart. They, they know all the stuff. Um, they, you know, they get that. And then when it comes to an exam, it's, you know, there's different things. I think there's a lot of it which comes down to exam technique, that kind of thing. Uh very different to what a person's like. You know what I mean? Like
0: We'll, we'll talk about that in a second because that's interesting that you mentioned mm. that. But anyway, continue. Yes, continue.
1: Yeah. Um. So like you can, you know, it's it's not like you'll you can instantly pick out who based on you know how smart they seem. Um. So yeah, it it was it it wasn't any experience different from a normal experience. I'm, normal guy. All my friends were normal guys. Um, we have normal people conversations. We're not sitting there talking about calculus during, during lunch and recess, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was just like a normal kind of life experience in, in, in school. I would say it was a little bit more, more varied when you looked at other, other, other groups, you know? Um, cause you would have some groups who were like not interested in academics at all. Those produced different characters, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah a big variety in characters, but in terms of my friends, it was pretty much what you would expect just from a group of friends. Let's talk about that variety of different characters. Right. I heard that word and I was like, ah, oh, that's
0: interesting. I've heard that before. A lot of parents have this worry that, you know, you will get influenced by, you know, the people in the in, in school. Right. So that's why they send, they send their kids to select it because they're like, Hey, everyone's concentrating on study. It's going to be mad. So were you at <laughs> at any point like influenced by, let's say, some shady characters around you? You don't have to tell any stories, but were you influenced by any shady characters or any characters who weren't interested in study? Like, were you, were you affected by that, like, at all?
1: Look, I th- I'd say I was, quite, I was quite lucky. I picked my friends quite well. Um, so it, I do think that I really agree that actually having, a, having friends who were also, like, really interested in studying, because in high school, I was very committed to study, all, all the way from year seven. Um, I really always wanted to just push for the top, always be better, that kind of thing. And I had friends who in school, you know, there's the, there's all your rankings in school, but you're friends with all the people that are around you in your rankings. So you kind of push each other on, you study together, that kind of thing. So being around the, the right people, um, you know, having friends who, are, who in, enjoy the same things as you, study the same as you and that kind of thing, it is definitely good. And I imagine in a selective school, it would be kind of that dialed up to hundred, right? Everyone around you is kind of like-minded. They're all pushed to study. They're all, you know, they're all interested in kind of the same thing. So in a selective school, I imagine it'd be great having all the people kind of spur each other on forwards, that kind of thing. Um, I found that to a small degree in my school, but I still found the benefits of it.
0: Okay, cool. Let me ask you another question then. Okay. If you went to a selective school, Do you reckon you'd get 99.95? I
1: mean, couldn't guarantee it. I I think I would probably be studying the same amount, maybe a bit more actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't really say for
0: sure. It's a hard question to answer because when I think back, Um, The reason why I mentioned the big fish in the small pond was because I always knew that, at least for me, and everyone's different, right? At least for me, it was always better to do well, like let's say be top 10, uh, like let's say private school that's not ranked so well, versus being like bottom 50 in a selective school that's like number one, right? And I'll say I'd be bottom 50 at Roos. But like, let's say if I went to a school like Bruce, I don't think I would have gotten the ATAR that I got. Like, I'll be honest, I really don't think I would have gotten the ATAR that I got. Um, uh, and that's, you know, just testament to the fact that there will just be way more competition. There'd be way more people just, you know, just going at, at each other um, and just a lot more work. Like just, you know, you'd have to compete in internal assessments. What did you get in your internal assessments, if you don't mind me asking? Were you ranked first and everything or was there competition there? Like uh
1: what? there was competition definitely mm. um in every subject it wasn't a surefire thing there was in every subject there was at least one or two people who we were always kind of like back and forth one or two people <laughs> but that being said the classes were very small the classes were small all right um for instance like with with different subjects while there were a big amount of kids in the year for instance some of my subjects had six people ten people all right. so um I think I, I, came, I came first internally in everything, but not English. So English, I came second internally. Oh, wow. Okay.
0: That's interesting. He ended up doing pretty well. So, mad. Teacher probably marked you wrong, Colin. Um, what was I going to say? Maybe. Yeah. So, okay. We have a lot of kids in the audience here who have, I think, a feeling of inadequacy, right? And I, I think I have that feeling of inadequacy as well when, like, you know, you're in younger years and you know, you're never really doing that well, like year seven, year eight, year nine, like, especially in younger years, like, let's say you're failing a little bit, not like failing, but like, you're not doing as well as you want, or you're not doing as well as your peers. What do you have to say to that? Like, let's say, for example, your mom comes home. I know your mom obviously didn't do this, but some of the Scully kids might have parents who do this. Mom comes home, right? She's like, hey, look at Jimmy. He's doing better than you, right? I remember like when I was a kid, like i saying my mom did this all the time, but she'd be like, hey, look, Jimmy's doing better than you. How come you can't beat him? I'm like, mom, don't worry. Wait until our a come out and then, bro, like, it's it's going to be good. And what happened was because I just kept on pushing and I didn't really worry about the marks at the time, I ended up doing better than, you know, all my mom's friends, right? But uh, my question to you is, how did you go about dealing with that, you know, if you ever had a sense of inadequacy, right, where you felt like someone was a lot better than you and you wanted to kind of reach that level or, you know, how how did you go about dealing with those emotions, especially earlier on when you didn't have any reference experiences of success?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, it was always like my parents were never mean about it. Of course there was always like my, I'd say my dad was still definitely like, um, you know, still like, Oh, Cullen what do you think, what happened here? You know, that kind of thing. Like, like you didn't get the first, you know. Um, oh, you got first, like, bro? What happened, man? You didn't come first. But man. I wasn't, I wasn't getting, you know, all through year seven to um, year 10, I wasn't getting first. I was, you know, maybe one one subject, I'd managed to pull a first. One subject, I managed to pull a second, that kind of thing. Overall, I, I think I ended up, you know, second or third in the year. Um, I think one time I got first in the year, um again still a you know a school that's not very um prolific in terms of academics so there was there was always I mean of course it's a much smaller scale I mean I'm not saying that I should be feeling inadequate for coming second and no one should be feeling inadequate you know in any oh, of those it's positions, just, it's but, all
0: good bro. it's all good you don't you don't
1: package it it's all good. <laughs> yeah no but you know there was still like a feeling like oh like um like missing out a little bit, feeling like I was missing out a little bit, but uh, you just, I think to anyone that is kind of feeling that way, like missing out on something, whatever your goal is, if you've missed out on your goal, just think about how much life you've got left. You guys are so young. Um, In hindsight, I shouldn't have worried at all. Like those little things of missing out on different life opportunities, it's just opening different doors. You know, imagine you're going through like a room, so many doors, you miss out on one door, you can just go through another door. You know what I mean? And some doors are better. Some other opportunities, you're going to miss out and you're going to find out you go through a better opportunity. So I feel like missing out on different things, it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be feeling down in yourself. You shouldn't be getting upset, that kind of thing. It just means you're going to go a different, slightly different way about achieving your goals in life. Could make it better, could make it worse, but who knows? So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's definitely not something that you should be feeling inadequate about.
0: And I, I really like what you just said there, the, the, the thing about going into new doors, right? Like going into new doors, like I, like I know I've experienced this where I've, I've always had a preconceived notion of what I thought my life was going to look like. I was like, you know, I think when I was like 12, I said, hey, you know what? I want to be a concert pianist. All I want to do is play piano. I want to be like Lang Lang. I just want to perform every single day, right? And then age 18, you know, I got the ATAR to get UCID Com Law, right? Which was like, I didn't expect to get that high. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, um, I have a choice between becoming a musician and hey, you know what? I don't actually want to go down that road right now. I want to do Com Law. And then after that, it's like, well, do I actually want to continue Com Law and become a lawyer? I thought I was going to be a lawyer, right? I was like, bro, I'm going to be wearing a suit, walking down George Street, carrying subpoenas and stuff. And it's going to be mad, Right. I'm gonna be a lawyer. I'm gonna be like Harvey Specter. But then I'm like, wait, what? Wait a second. I really enjoy tutoring and like teaching kids. And I think uh, just like Colin said, at first, all of these doors that you go down, especially when you go down a new door, it might seem really scary. It might seem like so it's, it's a worse choice, right? It might seem like it's terrible. But you know what? Every single new door that I've been down, I, I don't know about you guys, but for me has always opened up new opportunities. And I feel like I've always gone from height to height to height. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, you know, it's like making new friends. You know what I mean? Like at first you have some friends, you think they're gonna be your friends forever and you think they're mad. And then you realize that, hey, wait, there are some better friends or there are some new friends. And you just go to them and you know then you start making newer and newer and newer friends and you start upgrading. You know what I mean? Now I'm gonna not gonna use the word upgrade because that's a bit of a bad term to use in this context. But the point that I'm trying to make is that don't be afraid of going down non-traditional pathways, right? Like if you guys don't get in selective, if you go on a scholarly and you don't get in selective, I don't know what happened, but even if you don't get in selective, or even if you don't get an OC, it's all good. You can be like Colin, you know what I mean? You can go to an all-boys school, all-girls school, uh, like come second, first, second, first, second, first, and then Mm -hmm. magically get 99.95. There's still hope. It's unlikely for you guys, but there's still hope. You know what I mean? So it, my, my point is, don't ever feel like, you know, the doors are closed on you. You guys have so much life ahead of you. Okay. You got so much life ahead of you. It is all good. Right. As kids, I think, and Colin, actually tell me this, if, if this is true, because you mentioned it as kids, oftentimes we see like our failures as like being this big, like huge, right? It's like, we fail something. It's like, oh no, I'm going to like, the world is going to collapse. And then when you get older, you're like, oh, okay, like it's all good. Like she didn't return my phone. It's all good. Like it's all good. You know what I mean? But I want your opinion on that. Like, what do you reckon?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's that's actually a great, a great point. Um, so many things have happened where I just felt like okay, I'll give an example, for instance. Um, I think it was a a year seven religion assessment. <laughs> and I don't know what happened, but I got five out of thirty on it. I got it back and I had gotten five out of thirty on it. And I was crying, like, honestly, like, I mean, okay, I wasn't really caring that much about the subject, but I was still, you know, I'm not really sure what happened. I I can't quite remember. (laughs) But honest to God, I got an E, 5 out of 30. And in the moment, that really, really hurt. That, like, that was, like, I thought it was the end of the world. Uh, And this is just one example, right? But now I'm so glad it happened because, like, it's just so funny, right? Like I can just, I can tell that story. I mean, obviously now I don't really tell that story, but during high school, I remember telling that story later later on in the years. And, you know, you can always look at the positives out of it. You know what I mean? Something bad happens. I learned a lot that day. I learned, you've got to make sure you read this part of the question. You've got to make sure you fulfill this part, you know, all that kind of thing. You've got to, you know, I've just got to, every time something bad happens, there's always something to be gained from it, you know? I, like I think you can give any example of something awful that's happened to you and there's always something positive you can bring out of that to improve yourself for next time. So I think big mistakes in the past become, you know, helpful little reminiscence in the in the future.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I want to talk about the idea of failure in a second. Uh, I know Jessica Lim's just mentioned uh, a question. How did you switch on in high school? You just decide to how did you go about it? And we'll answer that question in a second, but I want to talk about failure because uh, I think uh, failure is a beautiful thing to both you and me, Colin, right? Like we get it. Like, it's like the more we fail, like the greater life is. Give me more failures. You know what I mean? Like burn me down to the ground. If you burn me down to the ground, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to, I'm going I'm to uh, like, I'm, I'm going to kill. Like, I'm just going to do very, very well at life. Right. And I know you've had a lot of failures, but what do you have to say to people who are adverse to failure? Did you know a lot of friends? Because I'll talk about like all my friends and stuff like that. Did you have friends who like when they failed, they got really down on themselves and they could never really get themselves back up? And what was their life trajectory like compared to yours? Like, how did you go about dealing with failure? What's your viewpoint of failure? And what are your friends or like acquaintances viewpoints of failure? And how is that just that worldview How does that worldview of failure just determine the trajectory of your life? Can you just comment on that?
1: Well, I think um, definitely I've had, you know, friends throughout all kind of my stages in life where they've taken a failure or, you know, something not going their way and really, you know, nailed themselves down for it, looked at themselves. And I think the biggest thing to realize is that, Once a failure has happened, it has happened. You can't change that, right? Unfortunately, we can't change it. So what you've got to do is make sure that you do the best you can right now, which is taking that failure, looking at what's happened with with it. Let's just say we failed an exam, right? Look at that exam. Look at exactly what went wrong and you can make sure that never happens again. One failure can save hundreds of mistakes into the future. So, you know, it's it's good when something like that happens. So it's super important, not just to, obviously not to, you know, you don't want to be seeking out failure whenever you can. But I think what's important, like you said, Steve, is the worldview of being able to see failure as an opportunity to learn something new. If you just keep on winning, if you keep on winning, you are never going to learn something new. It's, it's when you get something wrong. You feel awful about something when you've done the wrong decision, that kind of thing. That is when you're confronted with, oh, okay, this, I don't want this to happen. I don't want to feel like this again. That's when you learn from your mistakes and you actually become a different person. That's how you grow and change. So that's the thing. Like think about it, right? If you just go through life, never experiencing a loss, never experiencing any downs, that kind of thing, you'll never really grow as a person you know, whether that's academically or even as a person. So really, really important to, when a failure happens, obviously don't seek it out, when it happens to just latch onto it and work out how I can grow from this experience, how I can kind of fight back against that failure and kind of grow and overcome it and then become a better person after. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that, 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 that's really good advice. Like like you said, failure has already happened. Like, and what do you do to react to it? And I think a point that uh, Colin's just made is you wanna feel the pain. Like you don't wanna like just ignore the pain. Like I knew a lot of, I had a lot of friends who were just like, they'd fail, they'd be like, first time they'd feel painful and then they just get so numb to the pain and they're just like, I don't care anymore. Like the whole idea of I don't care, that, that mentality is ruining like generations and generations of kids. Like, I don't care, like, like I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, you, know, you should care. If you don't do well, you should care. And hey, if you care and you feel pain, it's okay. It's actually good for you. Like you're going to grow from it. If you don't feel pain, like if you're not doing so well, like then you won't do very well, right? Like I feel pain now. Like If you guys could go inside my brain, like I know that Cullen, when Cullen finishes a class sometimes and Cullen makes one mistake or Cullen, like there's like one thing that he feels like a little bit like, oh, like I shouldn't have done that. He's like, ah, Steve, how do I do to improve? What do I need to do to improve? I'm like, come on, just like relax. You're the best tutor in the world. You're better than me, right? Like just chill, bro. (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: But he's like, no, I want to get
0: better. I want to be better. I want to be stronger. And that's what, that's a difference. Whereas I have other tutors who I'm not going to name who are like, oh yes, Steve, yeah, all good. Like I did the class, all good, done. I did the class, all good. And they don't care. They don't care. You know what I mean? So the point that I'm trying to make, guys, is care about things, don't be afraid of getting hurt. You're gonna get hurt anyway, right? Like if you don't care, you're actually more likely to get hurt and actually you're more likely not to have a job in the future, <laughs> to be honest, right? So care about it now so that, you know, you guys will do what well in the future. Anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, my question to you now, Colin, uh, and this comes from Jessica Lim, Who's been a long-standing student, uh, sorry long-standing parent. Um, Isaiah. Uh, how did you switch on in high school? you know did you just decide to switch on like what what exactly happened to make you switch on? Because it's a unique story, you know what I mean most of our 9.9 clubs that I know you know typically you know when to Sydney boys North Sydney boys, you know like you know they're uh, a bit difficult to talk to them sometimes, not saying that they have any communication issues you know, like went to the same coaching as me in primary school, you're a bit different. So how on earth did you switch on in high school? Like what happened?
1: And I I think actually one thing that a lot of people don't realize is there's no kind of magic switch that's just going to change from primary school, high school. Oh, I'm in high school now, big boy, switch, smart. You know, that's not going to happen. And um, you can't force a kid to switch on. So I really think the biggest thing is through primary school, when kids um, are, you know, the most, when the workload is small, that kind of thing, really just kind of switch on and get into habits. I think habits is one of those biggest things. Studying becomes a habit. It becomes a way of life. Whereas if you never really study through year six, and then you come into year seven and you've got to study all of a sudden, it's going to feel like you've just jumped into, jumped into hell. You, you, you're you surrounded by too much work all the time. It's going to feel awful. And you have to study in high school. Either way, the kids that are used to it are just going to be cruising. They're just going to be doing what they've always done. No problems. Whereas the ones that kind of suddenly jump in, that's when there's going to be problems. So in, year, in primary school, now, while I didn't go um, to selective school, or uh, selective coaching that kind of thing I was still in yeah, selective coaching bro <laughs> stay away <laughs> anyway, you- yeah no well I personally <laughs> didn't go there but what I'm saying is that um, I um, I was still very pushed to um to learn it was just kind of like a I guess something about me one of my nerdy traits is that I just loved learning and loved pushing myself from the beginning but I think that, like, in hindsight, if I wasn't like that, I would have really benefited from something like scholarly or something like, you know, some kind of guidance like that outside of school. Because the teach, you know, the teacher has 30 kids in a class. They can't make sure every single one is pushed because there's no way all of them are going to be. So, you know, some kids just won't have that drive. And so I think having that kind of outside guidance would really help someone who is struggling to just switch on. Um, and I think in high school, getting that kind of trying to switch on in high school is much, much more difficult than in primary school because high school, the workload is a lot. Primary school, it's a bit more chill, right? I know, you know, there's obviously hard homework, that kind of thing, but it's comparatively a lot more chill. If you can manage to switch on, get the right mindset then, you're going to find like, that's that's definitely what you want to do. You definitely want to try and switch on the earlier, the better. If you find yourself finishing primary school, you're coming to high school, um, your kids, or if you're the kid, then um, you're feeling like it's, you're just not switched on. You really want to kind of drive um, yourself, but you're just not finding the motivation. I would just say to kind of take whatever time you can to just, you know, grow your knowledge, enjoy the process of learning. Don't make it a chore. All right. Think of rather than study, think of like rather than thinking of ticking boxes just studying, think of it as learning about a new topic, you know? So I feel like the goal to getting study to become a habit is at least at one point you've got to wanna do it. At least at one point you've got to be driven by a, a a love of learning. And I think everyone deep down inside has some kind of love for learning something new everyone does you know humans are curious they want to learn something new so i think that's probably the best advice i can give you um of course different situations are going to merit different approaches but i think overall i think i've covered most most people's situations hopefully
0: Uh, yeah i think that's really true like starting off with habit right at a young age because that's really all you can do start with a good habit you know what i mean right (laughs) you don't want to be stacking on junk food and then getting really really obese and then trying to lose the weight, like, you know, start with healthy habits, start eating your carrots, start eating your vegetables. You know what I mean? And just do it because it's good for you. Right. That's why you do it. I don't like eating vegetables, but I eat vegetables because it's good for me. You know what I mean? Like all of you guys are like, oh, Stephen, my emotions get really, really hurt when I study. Or, you know, I feel really sad when I study. Hey, I feel sad when I eat vegetables. Okay. I just eat them anyway because they're good for me. Right. So in other words, Habits are, you know, just like anything, you might not enjoy, like some people, some person might not, uh, might say, I I don't like studying, I don't like walking, doesn't mean that it's not good for you, do it anyway. Um, And I think, yeah, from habit, right, once you start with habit, then like Colin says, then it can go into something like beautiful, like where you actually really, you know, enjoy the pursuit of knowledge. And, and, And once that happens, then, you know, you're unstoppable, you can go to Harvard, you go to Oxford, you know, you can become a big dog you know, you could probably start the, you, know, you could become like Kyle Lopez. You could do whatever you want. Right. But like until that day, um, you know, I think habit is, is like Colin says, what drives you. Um, okay. Pretty interesting. Colin, uh, tell me about, you know, what's your trajectory now? Like now that you're here, now that, you know, you're obviously, uh, you know, in university, what do you want to do for like medicine, like medicine wise? Like, do you have any like lofty goals? Like, you know what you want to specialize in, any kind of idea or no, not
1: really? At the moment, I, I don't want to jump to any conclusions. Of course, there's, you know, different things that interest me, but I'd say right now, I'd like to go through medicine, immerse myself in the world of the different kind of, you know, specialties, you know, I'll, I'll come across um, doing some heart research, come across doing some eye content that kind of thing and actually being there in the moment i think is the only way i can really judge what i want to do right now i'm really fascinated just by the human body anatomy that kind of thing as well as being able to you know talk to people communicate with people teach people um so kind of combining those is what really interests me in medicine itself um but as to what's beyond that i just want to uh you know jump on the journey and wait and see where it takes me, you know?
0: Play by ear, play by you. No, Play by ear, exactly. Play by you. Amazing. Okay, so
1: uh,
0: <laughs> I think we'll open it up to, like, any questions. Anybody got any questions? Um, if we don't have any questions, then I, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. And I'll talk about next week's guests as well. And, and obviously, we've got to thank uh, Colin so, so much for coming on today. He's uh he's a very busy man. Colin is an extremely extremely busy man. Uh, we have one question uh, from Moise Shawani. Uh Colin, what subjects did you do in HSC?
1: Well, okay, so HSC I did music, maths, English, and chemistry. But I did like it's called maths extension too, so it's like du- basically double maths. Yeah, four unit. Yeah, four
0: units. Oh, they, 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 they get it, you know. They, they, they all okay, know sorry. <laughs> they will know four unit. Um, cool. Uh, any other questions? Who's smarter, me or Colin, Bro, like, is that even a question? Of course Colin's smarter. I think,
1: no, Steve. I oh, think no, 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 no,
0: no, bro, bro. Colin is an academic god, right? Like, I'll give him a question. He'll just be like, like bro, like, <laughs> I know. I already know. He already knows the answer, like, even before I've given him the question. So he's... Really, 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 really smart. Um, okay. Which is why he's at Scholarly, because Steve is not going to hire anyone who's worse than Steve. Steve will only hire people who's better than him, right? Um, okay. I want to I want to really thank Colin for coming out here. You know what I mean? Like, Colin has, you know, very, very graciously volunteered his time. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's just so great having, like, a 99.95, like, you know, actually come out. And communicate, because oftentimes when you talk to 99.95s, I don't know, man, I just struggle to communicate with them. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe I've got 99.95-itis. But the, the point is, has uh, done an exceptional job. Um, I think you guys all are, are very, very lucky, especially all of you guys who are in Collins classes right now. Um, I know the foundation and the E5, you guys are all in Collins classes right now. You guys are all, uh, you know, so lucky to have such a bright mind teaching you guys. I don't think you realize... How lucky you are! I've never talked about this, but I interviewed a lot of people, and um, Colin's just really, 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 really bright. And so uh, I I really just want to thank him for coming out here tonight. And I will also uh, talk very, very quickly about okay, what motivates you and makes you special than others. All right, actually, we've got one question. We've got one question, and we'll talk about the guests for next week. Okay, so Colin, what motivates you? I'm actually curious. Cause what motivates you? Obviously your parents don't push you. Right. Um, what motivates you?
1: Motivates me in my kind of academics. Is that in your academics or even in your life? Like, because like, let's
0: say for example, like I remember, you know, it was uh, like beginning of the year, right. We kind of connected and I was like, bro, like, do you want to work for me? Yeah. And you were like, yeah, let's go. Let's smash it. And you were just pumping videos out like crazy. You know what I mean? Um, Like, what motivates, like, the work ethic? Like...
1: I think, to be honest, I I really like to see myself grow. And I feel that can kind of be applied to all all aspects of of life. Academics, I like to see myself grow. So that's why I push really hard to, like, learn more stuff. I like seeing myself get to, you know, another level and watching, actually watching myself kind of, you know, becoming a better person, I I push myself for that. Uh, In terms of working... Um, may, pushing myself to, you know, work really hard is because i I want to build those skills. I wanted to develop skills, um, you know, where I can become a better teacher, that kind of thing, because I love teaching people and, you know, it's something something I want to do. So I, I really want to kind of just see myself develop those skills. So that's why I was, you know, pushing hard for that. In, you know, in life, I, I, I usually just push for things that I want to see myself change into, you know what I mean? Um, it, you know, people don't instantly just grow, become better by itself. If I, if I see an, a part of myself, I find lacking or that I want to grow, I'm just going to target onto that. And I just, you know, you're the only person who can really change yourself. That's, that's. Having, ha, yeah.
0: Having a true growth mindset. That's like crazy. Like having a true growth mindset, I think is really what, what Collins, um, you know, got because, uh, I think it's rare, man. Like, honestly, I honestly think it's really, really rare, to find like individuals like as young as you who've, who've got the package, right? Like, like you could speak, you can talk, you can walk and, 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 and you're smart. But I think having that package is going to be killer. So yeah, I'm very, very excited to work with Cullen in, in the coming years. You know, as Colin says, he, he, he didn't study in primary school. Okay. Everybody who's asking, did Cullen study in primary school? He did not study in primary school. Okay, but Colin, yeah, unfortunately, but Colin is genius IQ. Okay, so you, you, like guys you can't do what Colin did, right? I can't, I couldn't do what Colin did. Um, yeah, amazing, amazing. And like Colin says, he loves teaching. Like Colin, you, you love teaching. I know Colin does, definitely doesn't work at Scully for the money. Just does it because he's he's got such a big heart. You know what I mean? Big big heart. Um, and I truly mean that as well because he does go above and beyond in the classes. Okay, cool. So that's the end of the session. Colin, can you make me host again? Is that possible?
1: Um,
0: okay. Um, Gotta make me... Oh, actually, I can reclaim host. All good.
1: Okay. All good. Okay.
0: I am going to very quickly talk about who we have next week. So uh, this is a second guest for the Scully podcast. Um, this guy is a very interesting character. This guy is Raj, the dentist who went to James Ruse who also has a, a, a Maserati. So when you guys to write this down. Raj, the dentist with the Maserati. Okay, Raj, the dentist with Maserati. Comment down below. Who's excited to see Raj, the dentist with the Maserati? Now, obviously, you guys have all written about Maseratis like in, in, in your writing. Uh, Raj is the first guy that I've met, apart from myself, that has any experience with Maseratis. He's got a really, really nice one. I don't want to talk about Maseratis, but we're going to talk about how, uh, you know, his journey as a James Theroux student you know, how he made the choice to choose because he actually got in medicine. uh, And what's really interesting is he actually chose not to study medicine and to study dentistry instead. Um, You know, kind of his journey through that, his journey with his parents as well, because I know, you know, um, being son of immigrants, you know, we all have uh, pressure to deal with. We dealt with that and how he was able to become a really, really successful dentist in Sydney, and I think at age 26, I think he's a really young guy, like way younger than me. Like I'm like 40, no, I'm kidding, I'm not 40. But like Raj is a really young guy. I think he's like, he was 26 or 25, might've been 25 when he bought his first Maserati and really young successful guy has bought like two or three properties already. Like, and I mean houses. So for all of those people saying, it's not possible to buy a house as a young person, it's Sydney. no, it's No, it is definitely possible. And Raj, the dentist who drives the Maserati, will show you guys how to do that. Uh, so if you're excited, like we're just going to keep on doing these, these, uh, these things. It's going to be really, really crazy. Raj is going to be a great role model. I know it's a lot of uh, a lot of the Indian boys out there. So Raj is a really, really good friend of mine. So I know you guys are going to be really, really impressed when you see him. Went to Roos. Like I said, he's got a Maserati. Actually, I think he's got a Porsche now. I'm not sure if he's got a Porsche or he's got something else. But he's, yeah, he's got something crazy. I'm going to go see it soon. Uh, But yeah, he's going to be on next weekend at at 7.30 again. Make sure that you come, okay? you got to come at 7.30, guys. Tell all your friends. This is really fun. This is not Steve just screaming at the camera. It's actually Steve half screaming at the camera. And the rest of the time is like with other people, right? So it's actually Matt. Right? I don't need to talk that much. Anyway, thank you guys for being so great tonight. Um, You know, I've had a great time. I've learned so much from Colin. Hope you guys have as well. Uh, And I'm going to see you guys all very soon. Bye, guys. Thank you and see ya.